With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Welcome to episode 157 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social the UK's own dedicated sports podcast network. And also Fanatics, what a week it's been since we last uh, last got together. Obviously post-Manchester uh, City, a little bit of positivity after that game, um, after a poor result against Wolves and the, the, the saga of credit to themselves and to the manager, as we, as we said last week, went into that Brighton game, difficult game, like we said it was going to be. And then we all said that we, we fancied a draw. Uh, probably been a little bit maybe too positive against a decent Brighton side. Come away with a, a 4-1 defeat and Goodison Park was not a nice place to be after that game, that is for sure, for those who did stay. I know, I know we all did. We were all there. Um, we, we all stayed to the final whistle. Um, and it then has, has got, you know, obviously there's a lot, lot of noise now around the the campaign, obviously led by the the, the people who did the, the 27 campaign. Uh, a lot more people are now backing the... Uh, NSNOW campaign, which we're going to speak about very, very shortly. And into Manchester United, FA Cup's third round, and the Blues suffered a 3 1 defeat. So, very, very busy week, very negative week, you, you, you'd certainly say. Um, but, Peter, I'll come to you first if, if, if I can. How do you assess the last the last week or so since we, lost, we, we last got together? Because it's been, you know, and we know Everton have mad weeks. We we know as Evertonians, we go through a lot of things in a short space of time. But it's been a it's been a mental week, really, hasn't it? We've been through the ringer, Mike, haven't we? It's um, I mean, it's, it's hard it's hard to know where to where to start. Um, I mean, with with the Brighton game, I, I mean, yeah, like you say, we we knew it was going to be a tough game, and you know, we started well. You know, organised on on the press, made it difficult for Brighton. Looked like the better side, probably for at least the first ten, maybe even fifteen minutes. Um, and you know, even going in at, at half time, a, a goal down. I thought after the goal went in, we we sort of recovered well. But second half, we just we just capitulated, didn't we? We just completely crumbled. And it's it, you know it's it's hard to, to to see how that can happen after a performance like Man City. Like you know, yes, there were some changes of personnel, and I know there's been lots and lots of attention on changing the system. And you know, some of those those questions might be valid. 
but for me, we just lost our heads and we we stopped doing the basics of football. Um, and it was you know it was just terrible to see. You could you could feel it in the stadium. You know, I think it was what three goals in six minutes or something like that. Just a mad period. Um, and then to go into the game at United, well, you know, when you go to to Old Trafford, you play Manchester United and the referee, and I think that's exactly what happened to us. It was the you know the wrong team at the wrong time. Um, in the wrong venue and I, I thought we played really really well I thought we were desperately unlucky again another hairline VAR call that um, you know fair enough I'm biased because it's an Everton podcast but if it's the other way around I wouldn't be surprised that that goal doesn't get chalked off um, and, and you know I just I felt for the players and I felt for the manager I, I thought they, they redeemed themselves slightly um, but, you know, the, the attention all, is, is all going to be on Southampton now. It's, it's you know, it's which Everton turns up to that game. You know, if the, if the Everton that played against United turns up, for me, we get the win. Um, but, we, you know, the story of our season so far is we've we've put in solid performances against the so-called better teams, in inverted commas. And we've not turned over and won games against teams that, you know, especially Goodison Park, we, we should be turning over. So I think like most Evertonians, I feel in a complete mess. I don't know what to to think or feel, um, and I'm sure we'll come on to it. But I, I, I think the conclusion that probably the majority of fans now are all aligned with is this is bigger than Frank Lampard's problem. Um, you know, th- this is systemic within the club, uh, and we've been having these conversations for at least the past two or three seasons. You know, it's, it's probably got. Um, roots that are even older and longer than than that, but the, the club need to start listening, um, and, and the club need to acknowledge that you know that this is bigger than a manager problem. And I, you know, I think the past five, six seasons speak volumes, don't they? I'd, I'd agree with your assessment there, Pete. Definitely, um, on on it's a bigger problem than than just the manager, hundred um, percent. There seems to be some unison. Finally, uh, around the around the problem, um, we'll come on to discuss that a bit more. In terms of the games, I think I, I do agree with you on the Brighton to an extent. I, I think we talked about it, didn't we, Mike, on on the podcast about how we were going to set up in that game. And I think pretty much unanimously, most of it. I think Pete, you maybe said he'll go four three three, didn't you? And I think we said he should go stick with the five at the back. Now. Mike, we were walking to the game and, and, and you got the team news and we were like, right, there's two reasons here. He's either not going five at the back because he, we're at home and he feels we should take the game to, in possibly his eyes, a, a Brighton team we can beat almost at their own game. Or, you know, Godfrey has just played pretty much, you know, a high-intensity game and can he play twice in like three days? You know what I mean? And and therefore, that's the reason he's on the bench. Now, Mina was on the bench as well, so there was maybe an argument you could have called him to play into a back three. But it certainly shocked me that he did not go with that same formation, pretty much like we discussed at the end of the previous podcast. And that made us, you know, effectively go toe-to-toe with Brighton. And whilst it started pretty well, like you said, Pete, you know, we were on the front foot, we were pressing them as they were trying to play out from the back. Um, they were so, so calm on the ball, but we did catch them a couple of times. Awobi had a good chance, which was a great save from the keeper, who tipped it round the post. And then once Brighton got their foot on it, and then you know, we saw our press sort of was kind of like a half press then and not a full press. We kind of didn't know whether to 
lay it on them uh, right at the top of the pitch. They just played through. It's like, and it was, I said to the guy next to me, I said, look, if we go in at half time at 1 0, this is a result because they were getting through us so, so easily. You know, Davis, as we know, really honest lad, you know, but we know he's got no pace whatsoever. And the difference between him and Onana is, is, is light years in terms of pitch coverage. And then obviously, we had McNeil in there as well. He was brought in, and he's another player that you know doesn't have any pace to cover the ground either. So I think they just they just played it round us so easy. At times it was, I'll be honest, it was borderline embarrassing how easy it was. And that was in the first half as well. You know they got in a few times at the post. You know that Matoma, who's a real player, we talked about him on the last podcast. He missed a sitter with his head before he scored a great goal. Let's be fair, it was a lovely goal. He took it well, composure, bad defending, yes, but composure as well. And then that was coming, and, and, and we've backed Lampard on this podcast, most of us. You know, we've backed him on the whole, saying, look, you know, he's a young manager, yes. He's got a lot to learn, yes. He seems to be a really good people person as a, as, as a man manager, a bit naive tactically maybe, you know, he's learning his trade. But we were all pretty much in agreement, certainly you and I were, Mike, as we were walking back to the car after the game, that he got it wrong. And he should have realised that at half-time as well and changed it then. And the fact he waited those 15 minutes, we were 4-0 down after 58 minutes in that game. So it'd be interesting what your thoughts are, Mike. I know we've spoken about it as well, but I mean, you know, that's the first time ever we've questioned him, haven't we, tactically? I mean, there's been a few other occasions as well, don't get me wrong, but it's the first time where we've just thought he's got it wrong there. And and to be honest, he should have said in his post-match he got it wrong because he's normally honest in his post-matches. And he kind of just said it was a mad six minutes type thing. Yes, it was, but he should have realised they were a far, far, far superior side. You know, that Brighton team that played there is how Frank wants us to play. If you were to ask Lampard, you know, what's his style? Everyone questions his style. He wants us to play through the lines. He wants us to play that type of football. And, you know, A, we haven't got the personnel and B, we're miles off it, aren't we? Yeah, I think we said after the game, um, and even before, to be fair, when we, when we saw the formation and the lineup, it was maybe a lack of respect to Brighton in a way. You know, we we, we said last week about how strong they are. They made you know they, they made numerous changes. You know, it wasn't even the strongest side. Let's get let's get that right. And the likes of Trossard on the bench, obviously McAllister. I don't just come back from the World Cup as well. Uh, but they made a few changes, and some of the stronger players weren't even playing. Young kid up front in in Ferguson, and you know. Even even then, they've got a style of football, and everyone knows exactly what the job is. They played the same way for a number of years, and we said that even when Potter went and the Zerbi came in, it was that the, the transition was seamless in terms of going from one manager to the other. So I was surprised. We just spoke about it last week. You know, Pete thought we'd probably go back to to the four. I think we saw at Man City that the five, although it was Man City, we we do look at that that bit more solid. So yeah, I was I was I was surprised, and obviously we saw the five return at Old Trafford in the FA Cup, um, and I certainly think that that is the way forward. But I do think, you know, maybe like you mentioned, injuries, uh, the fact that you know Ben Godfrey had had came back and he went off with a bit of cramp against Man City, maybe you know the turnaround was too quick for him to come back in and play, um, play you know two two full nineties in the space of a few days. You know, you mean a B nil. He was back in the squad for Brighton. Maybe he, he couldn't do 90 minutes. Michael Keane got injured in the warm-up against Manchester City. Uh, so there's a lot of reasons maybe why he didn't go 
with the with the five at the back. But even when we went one 0 down, I still think we could have gone to five at the back and started to play on the counter. You know, I still think that that could have been a way forward just to, you know, slow things down a little bit, get ourselves back in order, and then try and obviously kick on from there because we were missing Onana. Don't forget now Onana as he proved against Man City, as he proved against Manchester United, he's very very capable when he sits in front of the back four. He's very good in the tackle. I thought he was exceptional against Manchester United in terms of ticking the ball over, spraying the ball left and right, doing the simple things, putting his foot in. But I think I think as as he gets older, as he develops, as he improves, he'll be vital to to how we play and also to providing that uh, that stability in front of our defence. So he wasn't playing as well. So I was surprised. Um, what I mean, once once the the second goal went in. Then there was there was no way back, and it was it was a crazy six minutes. It was it was this week of Everton in six minutes in one game, wasn't it? It was just some summed us up in in six minutes, and it was everyone's head fell off, and you know they, they were poor um, in terms of defensively. I'd probably argue two or three of the goals were avoidable. Most definitely, I thought it was naive. I thought it was amateur, and you know the, the players are mind you deserve to, to to be told that it's not good enough. And, and they all got it wrong. It's as simple as that. It is It is as simple as that. And, you know, we, we, we pay our money to support our team. Of course we do. But that was poor. That was a really, really poor performance from, from the side. And um, didn't see, probably see it coming to, to that level. But it just, it was nowhere near what we expected. I wouldn't have been surprised if we would have lost the game to Brighton, as I say, because I've got massive respect for them as a side in terms of how good they actually are. But not in that manner. Not by four goals to one. The one goal means very little anyway. You know, there's probably about ten thousand people were left there at the end to see it anyway. Um, but it was such a poor Everton performance by the first ten minutes or so, uh, and I deserve to be called out. And it was don't, don't forget, Mike, as well. This is a Brighton team that scored four against Chelsea not long ago, and scored three at Anfield as well. Yeah, you know, and they've just scored five in the cup after us. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. there was a criticism of Potter's Brighton. They were great from you know box to box, but then they couldn't put it in the net. Mm-hmm. You know what Deserby seems to have got got into him is that the ability to sort of put these chances away. You know, some of those goals, particularly Solly marches where he cut inside on his left foot, and you know Tarkovsky's clearly had clearly his worst game for Everton there. You know, doing his best impression of Phil Jones trying to trying to block it with his head. You know what I mean? And then he had all the time in the world with you know with four, five, six defenders in our box. Static as he just passed it in the corner like a five-a-side finish, wasn't it? It was like a training ground finish. Mm. You know, and, and I just think Brighton deserved, like you said, the word respect. They needed a lot more, they deserved a lot more respect. If it was Southampton, we got Southampton coming up this week. If it was Southampton, I, you know, I can understand Lampard playing 4-3-3 and want to get after him because they can't play like Brighton. But, you know, maybe it was down to the fact and Lampard did not clarify and he should have been asked it, was there a reason why he didn't go with the five? Was it down to, you know, Mina and Godfrey not being able to play 90 minutes? Because I'd love to know his thoughts on that because if he thought we could go toe-to-toe with him, um, well, you know, the results show it, you know, it clearly didn't work. Oh, 100%. And, that, you know, that, that is a line of question that maybe should have been taken post-match. It, it really should because we, say, we questioned it. We thought it was... It was a bit strange. Some, you know, he's, he's expected them to go back to four, which is absolutely fine. But from obviously from our side, walking the game, walking up from from obviously uh, the, the, where we parked the car, we we questioned things straight away. But 
you know, it, that that is for the manager to to obviously to to sort out and come out like you say and, and speak about it. Um, but obviously that that game that game came and went, and we don't want to dwell on that because obviously it was a little while ago. Uh, but I think it had to be mentioned because it played into the to this this crazy week of, of Everton Football Club, and you know we we've seen the the relaunch, if you like, of this of the twenty seven campaign, as as I said at the start of the. Uh, at the start of the show, who, who came out with an open letter to to Farhad Mashiri uh, a few days ago, and I think it's like like you said, like like you both said, there's a unity. There appears to be much more of a unity now behind this campaign. There's a, a definite. I mean, me, me, personally speaking, for me, I, I can feel much more of a, an anxiety and a frustration within the Everton fan base in terms of what we've seen. Obviously, on the pitch, the concerns we've got off the pitch, it all all comes into one. So everyone's everyone's thinking, of course. And it's you know it's quite simple. It's quite simple for me. I said this off air to, to the two of you. I've said it on on social media. The fact that there's got to be a separation, given our current situation and where we are. The fact, obviously, we, we want to make sure we get our, ourselves out of out of this this uh, predicament. There has to be a separation between ninety minutes. Well, at, uh, on the pitch, obviously supporting the team. The players have got to know, and they do. The players and minds have got to know we're behind them. We saw it at Old Trafford. The fans were absolutely exceptional. Nine and a half thousand Everton fans. You know, yeah, okay, there was banners, which is which is great. Listen, that's absolutely fine, no problem. But the players and minds have got to know that we backed them. That is the that is the key thing. We've got to make. We've got to we've got to rewind, unfortunately, because we are where we are. We we've got to now go back into our memory, which we didn't want to do, and make Goodison Park exactly as it was in the latter stages of last season. It's going to be earlier. It's got to be from this weekend against Southampton, but we've got to do it. And it's so important that, that those players know that when, when that matches on, we, we are behind them. We've got issues with this Everton board, with the off-the-field stuff, because it's led to where we are. It, it, it is that simple. And there's a lot of things that um, have gone on. And as a show, you know, let's be honest, we've never really delved into it. Have we? We've we've taken that decision at times not to. Um, it's come to the point now where we have to. I think it's, I think it's right. I think we'd be doing listeners a disservice if we didn't, and maybe ourselves a bit of a disservice if, if we didn't as well. But the the letter letter came out. I think it's fairly clear in terms of what the um, what the fan groups are saying, what um, individuals are, are backing as well. Is that you know, we're looking for, and like we've always gone for this. We're all about stability. We're the ones who've who said under numerous managers, Marco Silva, when we first started the show, um, we need stability. We need this club to to stick by a manager. We need the club to back a manager so a manager can build a squad. We've got ourselves into a situation as we found last season, especially where we had no money at the start of the season when obviously Benitez was in charge and, and we spent £1.7 million. Um, Frank Lampard, you could argue, got backed. Or there was some backing in, in the January transfer window. Um, but we were having to run everything by the Premier League. Now, there's no way we should be anywhere near that situation. We're, we're having to run every little thing, every purchase by the Premier League. And that is the situation that we find ourselves in. This transfer window... Obviously, we're we're a, what, a week, just over a week into it now as we speak. There's just been no movements as of yet. And, and we're crying out for somebody. We're crying out for some kind of attacker 
you know, a, a winger um, to, to, to come in and, and improve that side. And as of yet, we, we haven't seen anything. Um, but we're, we're in such a poor position financially. What the campaign is, is, is saying is, listen, the, a lot of fans believe that the issue lies with certain people within the boardroom. Bill Kenwright being one, Denise Barrett-Baxendale being two. You could argue the appointment of Graham Sharp, what are his credentials, another one. There's so many questions, you know, it's, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, I don't think it's calling out particularly Farhad Mashiri in terms of what he has done with his money. We've always said this. One thing he has done, he's always thrown money at the club. He has done. That, 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 is, that is where we are. He's put money in, his own money, He's obviously we've got so far now with Bramley Moore as well, um, but he's been misguided in terms of what he has done with his money. We thought we could throw money at the, or he thought he could throw money at the problem, and and, make, and we'd improve drastically overnight by paying a lot of money for average players, and sometimes below average players, it's not worked. So it's not about questioning Farhad Mishiri's commitment over the years. That's not what I get from from the campaign. It's about questioning. The, the appointments and the position of certain people on the board. And, and I think fans, Pete, what, what's your take on it? I think fans are, are, are totally within their right to, to voice their dissent and their disgust at, at the way things have gone off the field, which has led to the issues we've got on the field. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, it, it's difficult, isn't it? Because on the one hand, you think, well, is this just continuation of the issues that you know we shone a light on last season where you know not enough has been able to change due to the financial constraints that we've had on us and it's just leaked into another season and it's a case of you know are we going to get away with it um and can we get out of this relegation scrap now or is it going to drag on um to, to the late stages of the season um or you know should the club have I've done more uh, prior to this season. It's it's difficult, isn't it? Because you know, obviously, we we've spoken a lot about the sale of Richarlison and not replacing him. And I think this, what we've got now, effectively, is is the headache of that, uh, and the, and the challenge of trying to make good decisions in the January window. Where you know, it's well regarded that it, it's not a good time, uh, you know, to, to to buy first team players. Um, and I think we've made that mistake in the past, but then our hands forced by our, you know, by our league form, by injuries. Lampard's come out apparently and said that we don't need to sell to buy. Um, I don't know whether there's a a big degree of trying to save face there because I think both within the club and outside the club, the you know the mass consensus is we absolutely do. Um, you know, bringing players back on back from loan, whether that's to support the first team or with a view of um, you know, being bargaining tools for deals, it, you know, it doesn't look like that we, you know, we don't need to sell to um, to, to buy or to, you know to have outgoings for players to come in. But I, I think on a on a more positive note, at least, fan groups now seem more aligned than they were last season, where I think there was maybe more of a confused message around what fans wanted in terms of, you know, who who they wanted from the board to to leave. I think there was a lot. There was a bit of a split. Um, last season, I think a lot of fans seemed to really gravitate toward Bill Kenwright, other fans seemed to gravitate more toward Mashiri. 
Um, and I, I think now it's just really clear that the board members we've got, number one, don't seem to be able to work together. Um, that, that seems abundantly obvious. And I think things that seem to filter through to us and to other fan groups uh, seem to suggest that, you know, there are maybe big differences of opinion um, at board level about how things should be done and about recruitment um, and, and, you know, and about managers as well. And you think of a, a club the size of Everton, it, you know, it, you just can't function. You just can't, you can't work. You know, you look at the top, top clubs that, you know, having lots of success. I mean, and we keep using the example of Arsenal, don't we? But they're a club that are aligned from the top down with a, a vision and a way of doing things and a way of recruiting and, um, you, you know, a way of working together for, from, you know, right at the top of the club. And I think we're the complete opposite. And I think that's maybe what needs to change. And I think that's what fans are picking up on. I, I think the big question is, will Mashiri, Bill Kenwright and Denise Barrett-Baxendale be able to take this on board and, and make the right, you know, make the right decisions because <sighs> I'm trying to be kind of with my language, but history seems to suggest that, that there's maybe a degree of stubbornness with, you know, certainly Bill Kenwright and Mashiri in terms of how they believe things should be done in the running of the football club and it's not served as well. And these are the people that we're asking effectively to change their minds and change their approach. And you know, history history doesn't look kindly on that. Um, so it's a really, really worrying time. Um, but I, I don't think the fans can do much more. I think I said to you boys, didn't I, that um, if you remember before Mashiri came in, you know, Bill's rhetoric at the time was very much like, you know, we're looking for investors. We're looking for investors, you know, we're looking for the right investor was constantly used. That you know, that sort of rhetoric was used. And I think at one point you remember some some guy in his bedroom managed to convince Bill he was a billionaire or something, didn't he? In Manchester or something at one point, if you remember that. That kind of sums it up really, doesn't it? But um but the point I'm saying is there is it's clear as day now that Bill, when he went what he meant by the right investor in inverted commas was I want an investor to come in, not just to pump money into this football club but also just kind of stay in the shadows so I can still carry on running things or I can still have, carry on having a, you know, a, a big say in how this football club is run. And, you know, and I think pretty much looking at it now as, as the sort of clouds have disappeared, that's what seems to be the case. He was, not only was he looking for an investor, and we were all puzzled at the time going, these clubs are getting taken over. Everton are prime for this. Big following, big, great history. You know, the only thing that was holding us back, arguably, was the ground, wasn't it? You know, in terms of a potential investor, you know, certainly when Moyes was there, you know, punching well above our weight, you know, qualifying for Europe fairly regularly. You know, we were primed for a takeover and we were, none of us could get our heads around why we couldn't attract the right investors and, you know, the right investment to come in and take us to that next level. You know, the wide argument was kind of Moyes was, you know, a top striker away from being, you know, potentially pushing for Champions League on on the regular. So we were all puzzled by that, but it's clear now that said that, you know, he was clearly looking for someone to come in, pump a load of cash in and allow him to still be involved, allow him to be still doing deals, allow him to be using his contacts, you know, sitting down with Daniel Levy, you know, I mean, in London talking over a deal and things like that. You know, I think he still likes to be be involved, if you like. And when, you know, Bill's in his late 70s now, we know he's had his health issues and football club has moved way beyond the club he took over. You know, he took over from a toxic relationship with Peter Johnson. Most of us will remember that. 
you know, the club was in a in an even worse state possibly then than it is now, even though it's hard to believe. You know, you know, Peter Johnson was almost of the ilk of Mike Ashley sort of style, wasn't he? Do you know what I mean? And then Bill comes in, you know, almost like the knight in shining armour, save save the day sort of thing. And at the time we needed that. But football, like I said, then compared to now is a different world. You know, if you want to run a proper football club now today and with the money, with the big money that's sloshing about, you've got to have proper football people running your club. You can't have someone that works in theatre and someone that used to run our charity as, as, as the chief exec. You know, even bringing Denise in, you know, how qualified really is she to run essentially, you know, a multi-million pound football club operating in the biggest league in the world with the greatest respect to her? How qualified is she? For me, that just shows Bill wants a puppet in there that he can control. You know what I mean? Because, you know, she'll, she'll answer to him, if you like. So so for me, I, I just think it, it's starting to show the real reasons, what, what you know, why it's happened. And I think the general consensus, like Pete was saying there, is that most fans now just kind of say, look, can you come in and bring in a proper board that know how to run this football club? You know, we've seen it with Brentford. We've seen it with Brighton. Newcastle have taken the guy from Brighton. Is it Dan Ashworth, is it? They've taken from, from, from Brighton, you know, to, to try and copy their model, if you like. You know, that's how you do it. City, City went and got Barcelona's hierarchy before they got Pep. You know, they, they nabbed some of their guys and brought him in just so they could go, look, ultimately, we want to run, run this, run this uh, uh, thing professionally, ultimately with the goal of attracting Pep Guardiola down the line. And they've attracted him. And look at them now. They've won five out of the last six leagues. So all we're asking for is proper football people at the top of our football club. And, you know, like we said before, it's it's beyond the manager now. What manager really can come in now and fix this mess? It's an absolute mess. You know, we're arguably now a worse team on paper than we were when Mashiri first came in. I mean, that, that can't be right. I mean, if there's, if there's something to be judged, you know, we looked at our strike force when Calvert-Lewin went off against Brighton. We had... You know, a young Ellis Sims that's been called back from on loan at Sunderland and, and Neil Mope up front. How have we gone from the quality in the blink of an eye of Hamas Rodriguez, Richarlison and Dina to, 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 to having Sims and Mope up front? I mean, in the blink of an eye, by the way, in terms of I'm not talking about, you know, OK, some of those players were going to go anyway, regardless. But what I'm saying is in terms of quality levels, that's a massive drop-off, isn't it? Massive in terms of where we were. And that wasn't that long ago. You know, we can, we can, we can haul over that. We've talked about Benitez's reign and things like that. You know, he's arguably got two, rid of two of our best players there. But the point I'm saying is, is that that's how much of a mess and how disjointed it is. And I think, you know, Mashiri's certainly got the message now because the message is a lot more coherent now. Like you said, uh, Mike, you know, through, through the new group that's been formed, it seems to be directed mainly at, at sort of, you know, Denise and, and, and Bill. And for me personally, you know, Bill needs to do the honourable thing now and walk away from this love affair, as I've called it in the past. He needs to walk away. And, and, and if he really does love the club, then he should walk away, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it's very much, you know, it's very much a control thing. It's a thing that's pretty obvious. Um, and, and like you said then, you know, we, what, what, what should have happened when, when Farhad Mashiri came in? Or any any new investor or what have you, they should have appointed their own people, their own their own team of professionals who know exactly what the role is. For me, who are ruthless. Listen, it's not not a normal, not not an independent local business. It's a Premier League football club. There's no time for it for romance and things like that. You've got to be ruthless. You've got to be at the top of your game. 
you've got to bring in the right people if you want success. And it's shown as over, you know, since he since he came in over his time, the club has, has declined in that sense. We're not competitive on the pitch anymore. And the reason for that is because of all the issues we've got off the pitch. The people that are still there, the people who've been appointed during his reign as well. And like you say, you know, whether you change the manager or not, it's not. It's going to take one one hell of a a manager to come in and rectify things on the pitch to a satisfactory level, given where we are, the money we've got or haven't got to spend, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So the club is in it is in a state of decline, and you know all this talk of and we've said it ourselves, or working towards Bramley Moore and just just getting there and things like that. That's all well and good, and I get that. And, and Bramley Moore is, is certainly the, the jewel in the crown, so to speak. But you can't put all your hopes on getting to a new ground and, and being a Premier League side. Because after what happened last season, you know, we were told that this, this, uh, this review would be happening behind the scenes. And by all accounts, they, they believe that the club's running OK. And it's just, it's just incredible to me that, that they come to that conclusion. But unless you bring in independent people to review what's going on, nothing will change. And that's why fans now are more aligned. Like you said, the message is a lot clearer. I think sometimes with the 27 campaign, you, you know, we saw, and Peter mentioned, obviously, maybe mixed messages and people thought maybe, this is not, I'm not saying it's my opinion, it was a little bit cloak and dagger and you couldn't really get behind it. That was causing a little bit of animosity and, and, and split within the fan base, whereas now we're seeing the fan base a lot more aligned, a lot more behind this. The understanding very much is, listen, we back the players, we're behind the manager uh, on, on, on a match day, but in terms of the board, we, we'll make our methods clear. And I thought it was very, very telling that the echo of all, of all uh, publications led with basically that it's the time now is, is not for silence and it is it is certainly now you know silence is not an option as the echo said and the board cannot hide behind silence fire machine has got to make himself known and available he's not been to goodness and power for god knows how long they've got to come out they've got to speak there's got to be open lines of communication but there's also got to be action now whether this is going to be enough who knows but all we can do is what we can do. But I think it's very, very telling when you've you've got now this group has uh, set up a, a GoFundMe page in terms of people donating money to for banners, um, and it, it's you know it's it's over three thousand pounds as we speak, which is absolutely incredible, and that shows you exactly as a fan base where we are. And you're right there. It's not, it's not, it's not just the fan base that's, that's coming out as well. There's some high-profile figures obviously linked with our club. You know, Stubbsy was probably the first one to come out on Five Live, wasn't he? And, and say that, you know, quite scathing about Bill, really, wasn't he? In terms of how, how he's personally been treated as a former captain of Everton, even. And then, you know, probably more surprisingly then is, is, is Kevin Campbell coming out and saying uh, enough's enough. You know, it can't just be the manager, eight managers in nine years. And then even probably more surprisingly than that then is, is, is obviously Alan Myers. Now, you know, most of us fans love Alan Myers, you know, from his time obviously working uh, with the club and things like that. So, you know, he's come out and, you know, by all accounts from what we're led to believe, it's it almost like, you know, he's quite close to Bill. And he's come out and, and, and try to say, look, this is, I think his words he used, this is this is from sort of a fan's perspective and, and coming from the heart rather than coming from almost a professional perspective. 
and you know credit to him for coming out and saying that, but effect, effectively saying that change is now needed. You know, and I, and I, I think these are important figures to come out and state as well as obviously as as fans because they carry a big sway. You know, in terms of their opinions and. I'm, I'm, you know, we're all grateful that they have come out and done it because I think by now they all realise that enough's enough, you know. And you know, finally, Mashiri, by all accounts, has, has brought Thelwell in after not letting Brands effectively do his job, from what we've been told, and you know, finally allowing Kevin Thelwell to sort of you know, run things, if you like, from a director's of football uh, point of view. But it's almost a bit too little, too late, isn't it? You know, the cyclone's already blown through and, and destroyed all the houses, do you know what I mean? So it's, it's completely flattened, you know, and, and now it's basically, you know, Kevin, well, there you go, there's the keys, mate. You can finally, you know, finally get on with you doing your job. Well, he's trying to rebuild it from the bottom, isn't he, after the, after the mess we've had. So, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's a real mess, and, that, and we know that, but there needs to be some action taken. And like I said before, you know, those people now on, at the top, you know, let's, let, let's be honest, Mashiri, though he's the only, he's not on the board, is he? You know, Denise is the CEO. Bill Bill has obviously still got a, a certain number of shares as well. I think it's just less than 2%. But obviously, he clearly has a big say in how things are run at the club. And, you know, I don't think we're alone, you know, in terms of us uh, voicing our opinions, as well as other sort of podcasts and, and fan groups and everything else in terms of, you know, essentially all being on the same page with this. Yeah, we listen, we've, we've thrown our name to it, of course. We... We understand the anger. We're, we're part. We've got the same anger. We've got the anxiety. Of course, we have given where we are, and, and we certainly believe that that something needs to needs to happen. And as as we've said time and again, us as fans, we were one of the major reasons why the club survived last season. Let's get that right. We'll do it again this season because we need to. Starting from Saturday against Southampton, there, there's going to be a coach greeting by the looks of things. As again, as we speak today, so get down here early if you can. You know, get, get the get the lads up for it. You know, some of the, some of the, the the lads will be used to. Yeah, okay, we had, a, we had some coach well welcomes early on at the start of the season, but some of the lads who've who've come in over the summer, not doing the same scale as what we were seeing at the end of last season. So it's important we get back to those numbers. There is going to be a peaceful sitting after the game uh, against Southampton as well, uh, which is part of what the group of are organising. So again, feel free if you want to take part into that. You want to throw into the GoFundMe? All the links are on the NSNOW Twitter page as well. Um, and if you want to throw your name to the to the letter as well, you can just drop them a DM and they will they will add you to the to the list on their on their website as well. So it's scary times, as Pete said. It's the most most certainly is um, excellent to see the fan base so united. Um, that that is really really important. Obviously, the hashtag of all together now is is out there, uh, very very apt for. For, for this particular campaign um, and we've just got to keep on keep on going stick together be united back the players back the manager on a match day we've got to do whatever we can to keep this side in the Premier League and also try and take care of things off the uh, off the field as well uh, but let's call call a halter to where uh, proceedings there uh, we want to get back to the football of course we do um, and, and the Blues are back in action in the FA Cup on Friday night against Manchester United we should go discuss after this short break Welcome back to the sec- second part of today's Unholy Eternity podcast. And Everton, unfortunately, um, were beaten by a very, very strong Manchester United side on Friday night in the third round of the FA Cup at Old Trafford. And nine and a half thousand Ever- Everton fans were there, loud and proud. We aired them, aired them all game um, through our 
through our televisions and it, it's it's fair to say you know after what we saw against Brighton I would certainly argue and some people I'm sure have, have different opinions but there was certainly an, an improvement there as we've mentioned earlier on the show the minds who went back to to five at the back which we saw against Manchester City Ben Godfrey back in there with James Tarkowski and and Connor Cody, along with um, Michalenko on the left, and, and Seamus Coleman in for the injured Nathan Patterson on the right hand side, and obviously Onana back in the middle, which was which was great. Um, we went with Mope, the Mari Gray as well was was there. Um, but but peace, you know, we, as we, we have touched on it earlier on in the show, as much as Everton lost the game, we were against the, a much improved and a very very informed. Manchester United side and a very informed Marcus Rashford has got to be said. So, but I think in terms of the account that Everton gave it themselves, after such a poor performance against Brighton, it was much improved and did give us a little bit of positivity, didn't it? Look, absolutely. I mean, after that first goal went in early and and the the way it went in, um, I can't remember who crossed it from the left. Was it Anthony? Anthony got the goal. Was it Rashford who knocked it across them? Yeah, Rashford assist from from the left, and it just kind of coasted behind our back line. Um, you know, Tarkowski out of position. You know, Mikalenko not enough awareness. When that, when that went in, I thought, okay, here we go. You know, th- this is like first nail in Lampard's coffin here. Um, and, and I was just not looking forward to the rest of the game. I, I had the remote close by because I thought if this gets to three or four, I, I'll be looking at the TV guide. Um, so to get back in the game. I, I, again, I think I sent a message to our group saying, Everton, what are you doing to me? Because just when, just when you think you, you can predict us, you, you know, the, the, the club surprise you. And, and they normally build you up to knock you down. But I, I, th- I thought we played really, really well. Um, you know, to get back in the game after conceding in, in the way that we did, away from home, not starting particularly well, uh, I, you know, I thought it was really impressive. And I, I think probably the biggest positive we can take from the performance is that the players are clearly, very clearly still playing for both the manager and for the badge. Um, and I think we've just got to take that forward now into Southampton Avenue. We we have to build on it. We can't, you know, it can't be like the City game where, uh, you, you know, we're, we're very impressive and we do so many things right. And then we go into the next game and it's like it's completely lost. Um I mean, yes, I know we lost the game against United, but like I said earlier, you're playing against United, at, at, you know, and the referee um, because we, we got absolutely nothing from that ref all game. Um, and there were some terrible calls. I, I mean, yeah, fair enough, the VAR decision is hairline, but um, it, yeah, we, we, we spoke about it many times. You know, it all depends on who draws the line, doesn't it? And, which, you know, which side of the line they're, they're standing. It's, um, it's not much better, is it? Um, but yeah, we've got we've got to look forward now. But I think, and I think your point there, Peter, about it was a performance that showed the players were still playing for the manager and also the club. I think that was very evident for me, um, and I think that's a very very important point. And as much as obviously Frank Lampard is is in a precarious position because of results and performances, it's got it's got to be said. Um, I think the players, I mean, Conor Cody's interview post-match, I thought he was going to break down and cry at one point. I've got to be honest. You know, he, he seemed very emotional about the fact that, you know, we said, we are, listen, we're, we're going through a bad time. 
but he, he, he should, obviously he discussed his respect for the manager, how much you know he he believes in him, the work that he puts in. The players are all obviously behind the manager, and I do think you know people will look back and think, "Oh, we shipped we shipped three goals against you know yeah okay a decent side." This United side is not the same United side that we saw come to Goodison Park last season. We when they came to Goodison Park early on this season, we got an early goal through Alex Iwobi, but they went on to win the game. You could see how much better they were. Casemiro in centre mid is exceptional for them. Rashford's in a fantastic vein of form. They look that much better, I think, at the back as well. But we still caused them a few little a few little problems along the way. And I think, you know, it was um it was a fairly disciplined performance. I, th- I thought the players the players performed particularly well at times. You know, a scruffy goal for Connor Cody, obviously to to to, to score in the first half. But that goal that was disallowedly. What a move that was. You know, it's fantastic football. This is, this Everton side have got it in them. <clears throat> you know, and I, I put it out on socials a hard time. I've said it over the last few weeks. The, the one player for me when he gets the ball, who I, I do go to the edge of my seat at times, who we, we can refer to as a seat clicker because you do get off your seat at times, is Damari Gray. When he, when he shows belief, when, he, when he's on form, he can make things happen. And he showed it again. I thought against United, but that that goal that was disallowed was fantastic. That, that's all. What that's what Demari Gray for me is and should be all about. And that's what Dominic Calvert Lewin is all about when he's when he's fit. That's his game, and that's how we should be looking to utilize the two of them going forward. I totally agree with you. I thought Demari Gray was the only bright spark in the Brighton game as well. By the way, he's the only one that looked like he was going to do something off that left hand side. And United couldn't handle him. You know, he, he was he was causing all sorts of problems with his pace, with his quick feet. Uh, he's playing with a lot of belief at the minute. You know, he scored that wonderful goal uh, at the Etihad. Um, and, you know, that, that goal there, that's so unfortunate, that. That's so unfortunate. The ball's come to him. It's a lovely first turn. And that, that ability, that, that's awareness. That's a player playing with confidence. He's knocked it in the space, knowing Coleman's going to be continuing to make his run. The only criticism you'd say from there is, you know, Shaw's gone across to the ball, hasn't he? So just, and if you look at it closely, the grade does try to stay and slow it as much as possible. But as Roy Keane says, you can't just stop. You still got to keep on moving forward because you've got to get onto the ball. If he'd have stopped, you know, or nearly come to a halt, he wouldn't have got there, would he? So, you know, there has to be an element of fluency in in the move. And it's so unfortunate, you know, and, and, and the celebrations in the away end there with that goal were incredible. You know, I was going nuts here watching it. You know, I mean, it's a cracking goal that arguably, you know, our biggest, well, probably our best goal of the season without actually counting, unfortunately. But I mean, that's another gripe of mine as well. We've had this chat on here before. You know, VAR was bad enough yesterday with at the Liverpool game. You know, let's not even go into that. But the fact that VAR has only been used in a handful of matches in this in this competition and then not used in the vast majority is an absolute farce. It's a farce. Use VAR from the quarterfinals onwards where you know pretty much you're going to be playing at a ground that has the capacity to use VAR. You know what I mean? Or if, the, if, if it is a, you know, a minnow team, then, then play, play the match at a neutral ground where they can use, use, it, use VAR. It was an absolute disgrace, that, because it, it prevented, you know, what, what for us, you know, for me, and I, I'm sure you boys will agree, a deserved equaliser at that point as well. You know, we, we were causing them enough problems. And, you know, that's a great finish, by the way. 
you know, Gray gets back on the end of it, you know, skin, skins the defender and then whips in a great ball. That, that's a good finish, that, by the way, from, from Calvert-Lewin as well. It's flying at him, you know, at an awkward height and he's just shouldered it in, Balotelli style almost, hasn't he? So, I mean, that, that, was, that was so unfortunate that was disallowed. And then you get, you know, the usual, the, the home end celebrating then that it's disallowed, you know what I mean? It's just the whole game, the whole thing's a farce. Well, that's another story. But, you know, I thought the players really acquitted themselves well. The balance in the team was right. You know, uh, from the personnel we have available at the minute, the balance was right. I think that's Gray's best position. For me right now, I'd be using a mixture of Gray and um, Gordon playing off Calvert-Lewin in a 5-3-2. That's what I'd be looking to do right now. And there's an argument to even say, you know, even play, you know, McNeil came on at left wing back. And I know we've just been sort of semi-scathing of him there. And he wasn't asked to defend much when he came on. But maybe that is with protection behind him, maybe that is potentially a spot for him because he got in, you know, he got quite high up the pitch and he put in a couple of crosses as well, didn't he? Which is obviously his game. Uh, or even, you said in the week, Mike, even playing Vinagre in a five, you know what I mean? Because then, he, again, he's, he's not asked to defend as much. Uh, so maybe that's something, again, we can look at because, you know, Mikalenko, when he does get in those in those final positions, we've said this numerous times, he just doesn't offer enough when he gets in the final third, does he? You know, he panics and he, his, his quality of delivery is... Is, is nowhere near the level required, in my opinion. So, yeah, it, it was really unfortunate. You know, 3-1 flattered United in the end. I know that, look, don't get me wrong, they were overall probably, you know, the better side. They were. And, and, and like you said, Rashford is, is, is flying. Um, and, and Casemiro is, 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 you know, 60 million for a 30-year-old. But, you know, I'm speaking to a few of my mates who are United fans, and they're saying, this kid is unbelievable. He's not even a kid, obviously, but he's an experienced pro. He's played at the highest level. And he said, the difference from Fred and McTominay to Casemiro and Eriksen has completely changed them as an outfit, uh, just, to, just in those two players alone. Um, and, you know, Casemiro showed at our place, by the way, early, earlier in the year in the league game. You know, he was at fault for our goal, wasn't he, with the OB, he got robbed of the ball. But then him and Eriksen ran the game after that, if you remember the match. And, you know, he's done it ever since. Um, so, you know, it was it was really annoying because, you know, that that... That penalty at the end, by the way, was, was 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 pathetic. It was absolutely pathetic. The kid's a talent, he is, but he, you know, he's 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 what is he nine stone wet through? You know what I mean? He just he just got he just got shoveled off uh, off off the ball. It was pathetic that they gave gave a penalty for that, and you know, three one glossed it over for them. You know what I mean? It really did. You know, and, and to be fair to Rashford, he came out at the end, didn't he, and said that Everton had acquitted themselves well. Their heads didn't drop. And like you said, I thought Cody's comments were, you know really powerful to be fair in terms of his backing of obviously the manager and his backing of, of, of the staff and and, and the team uh, as a whole so they're clearly playing for him we just need to basically pull a few results together if we can starting with Southampton to sort of get us out of this mess and take the pressure off yeah most most definitely I, I, I don't even I don't ever think that um for me anyway just just from obviously watching from the stands that the players have ever not played for the manager. I think I think they do they do like him. There's there's, there's a belief there. Obviously, we need to see it more and more. We need to see a consistency. Um, I think that the Brighton game. I said this to you two. I think I think the players sometimes feel sorry for themselves. You've just got to just got to brush it off and get on with it. You know, okay, you can see the goal or what have you, and, and you might feel hard hard done by, but no one cares. All we care about is trying to turn a game around and trying to get back into a game and showing that you do, you do care, you do want to play for Everton, you do back the manager. That's what we want to see. And we saw that at Manchester City, 
we saw that at Old Safford. We've got to see it at Goodison Park. And Southampton is a massive, massive game, given where they are, given where we are. And, you know, we've just got to see, got to see a reaction and see that the players are obviously in in for the the long haul, if you like. And, and they, they want to make sure that we do get ourselves out of this difficult position that we that we find ourselves in. Um, but it certainly gave, gave me some kind of positivity watching the game on Friday. It might seem strange to some people, and, and that's absolutely fine, but I, I certainly saw a better Everton side at Manchester United. It definitely had a, had a, cup, a cup game feel to it. Um, but it certainly made probably the way forward. It doesn't matter who we play. If we start with the five at the back, even against Southampton, and that might surprise people again, but against Southampton on Saturday, Pete, would you be happy seeing us go with start with that five at the back? You know, Ben Godfrey in there with, with Tarkowski and Cody. Obviously, Yerry Mean is back in, in and around the squad as well. You've got options there. Maybe we might see McNeil left wing back or Van Agri. We've, there's options there, like and like Lee said, where we've got a bit of cover behind. Onana's back in there as well. We'd be, would you be happy to see a five at the back against Southampton? I, I, I would. And I wonder if, if the injury to Iwobi might force his hand a little bit. Um, because I, I think a 5-2-3 a um, would suit us with uh, um, Anana and Garner. Um, rather than throwing in Davies or, or Decore, and it's you know, no disrespect to them, but they've not had enough football. And I think when they have they have come into that midfield, I, I think they've struggled. Um, and I don't think we'll get uh, you know an Alex Wobi performance in terms of you know energy and work rate out of those two players, which I think is is what we need. And I think that you know. We, it's what Iwobi brings to our midfield. It's, it's arguably his, you know, his, his greatest asset, greatest asset in terms of the presence he brings. My only reservation would be how Southampton tend to um, tend to play. They, they tend to play on the counter attack, so there's that danger that, you know, if, if we do start with a five at the back or three at the back, and we concede an early goal or Southampton back off. You know, do then the fans get frustrated? Does then it's it start to become difficult to um, to get at them? Because I really agree with what Lee said about um, that potentially being Damari Gray's best position for us, um, always playing off a striker or starting off centrally and having the option to to go either side. But I think when you've got a team that sits back against you, he loses that, um, and I think it's a different task for him. So. You know, I wonder whether that will will come into into Lampard's mind at all. Uh, whether he might, you know, if we don't set out with a back five or a back three, I think it would be for the for that reason that he's anticipating that Southampton are, go, are going to sit back, um, and he's you know he's looking to give us solutions to to attack and win the game because it's a must win. We, we have to win that game. I know for for so many of these games. We've said, you know, look, first and foremost, it's a must not lose. But I, th- I think now it's we- we've got to win. He has to win the game. And I think he knows that. Um, and I just hope that brings the best out of the players and the best out of the fans. Um, because if we if we draw, yeah, we, we, go in, we then go into West Ham and it's not the end of the world. But if we lose that, if Southampton beat us, um, 
it, yes, it's going to be really, really tough to, I think, you know, psychologically recover from that um, with the run of games we've got. So, like most Blues, I'm, I'm going to be there and I'm going to be nervous as hell. I'm going to do my best to get behind the team, but I'm not looking forward to it um, in any way whatsoever. I think I think the balance, I think the 5-3-2, the, the you asked the question, Mike, does he go with a five at the back against Southampton? Like it's obviously, you know, almost a backward step. I, I think the question for me is, is kind of like what suits the balance of this this team right now in terms of the personnel? And regardless of who we're playing, whether we're playing Man United away, who are arguably the most informed team in the league at the minute, by the way, or we're playing Southampton at home, who are one of the worst in terms of form as well. So for me, he's got to just go five at the back. I'd even, like I said, consider switching maybe, you know, Vinagre or McNeil for, for Mikolenko to offer something more going forward. And, you know, you can still play five at the back and still be, you know, relatively attacking, you know, even if Southampton do drop off. The concern for me is I, I just want us to start keeping clean sheets. I want us to be solid, like we were at the start of the season before Frank sort of started opening up a bit because we weren't scoring enough goals or we weren't carrying enough of a threat. And I, I just want us to, you know, those keep it. Look at Newcastle since we've come back, other than the cup game, since we've come back uh, from the World Cup, they haven't conceded a goal in the Premier League. You know what I mean? The foundations are built on that, aren't they? For them, you know, Newcastle's team on paper is, yeah, decent. Is it top four? No way, nowhere near top four. But obviously, you know, they're hard to break down, they're not conceding goals. And they're the best defence in the league, as we as, as we say right now. So that, that, for me, is the principle. You've got to go, go with the five at the back. Awobi is a big loss, like Pete said, and rightly so. It doesn't look as bad as we first feared by the looks of it. Hopefully that is the case. But I would potentially go... I, I would throw Decore in there, personally. And I thought he did all right against United, by the way. Showed signs of his, of his old self there. And I, I'd potentially throw... Have, have a midfield three of... Uh, Onana sitting with 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 Decore uh, uh, and um, uh, Garner ahead of him, and then I'd have I'd, I'd have um, Calvert-Lewin up top, and then Damari gave the Damari Gray floating floating around and making runs off him, um, and and, that, and that's that's what I'd go with, and I, and I'd, and and hopefully like you said there's pl- there's a planned um, obviously uh, greet of the bus and everything else, and hopefully it'll be an absolute cauldron. You know, and and, and we'll we'll have we'll have, we'll have a, a right go at him and, and, and take the game because you know, you win that game and then suddenly the confidence comes back into the side. And like Pete said, you, you go into to West Ham, you get a result there. And then all of a sudden, the, 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 the table looks completely different, doesn't it? It looks completely different. You know, you look at the way Bournemouth are getting spanked by some teams now and that result looks worse and worse when we went there and, and, and got turned over. You know, if we'd have won that game with any sort of performance, we, you know, we, we would be nowhere near as worried as we are now. So, so I, I, it just takes one game sometimes in football, and I think if we can get a game there, we played well at their place, didn't we? And we won, and I, I just think you know we we should have enough to beat them because they they've not been great under the new manager. I know they won in the cup the other day from one nil down. That'll give them a boost of confidence. But we've got to go in there, and for me, you've got to remove a big part of Lampard's job is removing that fear of failure for the players. That's the worry about playing at home at Goodison, isn't it? It's the fear of failure. It's the fear of, of, of you know, how do the players react if we go a goal down? You know, they, they need to remove that fear of failure. And by doing that, the only way you can do that is, is, is just by the way they speak to them in the changing rooms, isn't it? And the way they get them, what mindset they get them into before they go out there. You know, like we did against United in some ways. We went a goal down really early. 
like Pete said, was it going to be an absolute massacre? No, they, they removed that fear of failure and they, and they, and they composed themselves and, and, and played very well for the rest of the game. So that's the key point. They need to remove that fear and just go out there and play you know, with a lot more freedom. Easier said than done, that is, by the way. It is. And like I said earlier on, I think there's almost a, a situation there where they do feel a bit sorry for themselves. And, and we, we've got to shake that, that kind of thing off. You know, every side concedes goals. Every side goes through adversity, some more than others, us more than others, of course. Um, but they've, they've got to just get on with it. And I, I do think we will see that that far at the back. I think, like you said, Lee, we've got to, the way to build a result and a positive result is to not concede the goal. Really simple for me. And we've got to look more resilient and stronger at the back and build from there. And I do think the Corey will probably come in for a Wobi. It's a big loss. You know, Wobi, it looked looked terrible at the time. We, we were thinking months as opposed to weeks, but the, the club confirmed uh, it'll be, be about three weeks, which is certainly positive for us. We might only miss a couple of games, which is which is great. Uh, but the core, like you say, showed some signs against Man United. Looked better. Lost lost a, a yard of pace. I think it was it was quite clear at times. But he can come in and give us give us some legs alongside obviously Onana, who, who for me is is pivotal in that midfield three. And, and it's just again a guy who can be play a little bit further forward and the Mari Gray. Off, uh, off Dominic Calvert-Lewin would be great. It, it allows... Drake can go wide. He can be close to the centre-forward. Uh, you've got the Anthony Gordon off the bench as well, which is another another positive. Gives us something a little bit different and, and a little bit a little bit more than maybe what we've had had in the past as well. Um, but I do think that that is the foundation that we've got to sort of live by now going forward to, to make ourselves difficult to beat. That's the starting point. If you don't concede, you come away with a nil-nil over the next few weeks then fine. But we've got to start winning games, of course, and this game on Saturday is our biggest game of the season so far because of the situation both both clubs find themselves in because, because of the, the current issues off the field in terms of the, the relationship between fans and board, it's got to be said, but also because the fans are united and appear to be united um, pretty much across the board. And that can create for a fantastic atmosphere. You know, we've said it already, if you can get down there early and welcome the lads, then then please do. Um, I think it's really important. I've been to a few of them myself. I will be down there early on, on Saturday. I am in the hospitality though on Saturday, so a uh, slightly different experience for me this weekend, it's got to be said. So I'm not sure whether I can deal with the commoners outside the ground there. They might have to go inside and have a have a swift swift half of a, of a lime and soda, you know. But, uh, but no, in, in, in all seriousness, I'll be down there handy. I'll be outside. I'll be doing whatever I whatever I can to to sort of to cheer the lads on and and let them know that we we do back them we do support them we're right behind them and listen if we go a goal down we'll keep on being being behind them it's it's so important that we do show that you know we've got a united front for the players and the manager and also a united front in terms of off the field issues as well. And this is for me, by the way, interesting to get your uh, uh, final thoughts before we finish by it. You know, this is for me, like, the dice shouts are just completely pointless for me because, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, it, we know what dice will do when he comes in, right? He'll make his possibly go for, well, he will go probably 4-4-2. He'll sit off in every game, a bit like Allardyce did when he came in. You know, you'll barely see a shot on target. It'll be long throws, set pieces, second balls. And it'll be a case of, let's just try and, you know, scrape every single... 
Now, Lampard, as he showed, if you remember, after the Spurs game last season, where, again, we naively went a bit like Brighton, a bit toe-to-toe with him to see whether we could take him on and got absolutely hammered. After that game, Lampard completely changed his tack, didn't he, in terms of how he set us up. So he can do that. He can get us to sit off like he showed against City, like he showed against United the other night. You know, he can get us to play that type of football, if you want to call it negative style of football in a way. And 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 I personally think it'd be absolutely pointless getting rid of a, a manager who, you know, as Cody said, the players absolutely love and, and, and also his staff by all accounts as well to bring in another guy, which could then potentially upset the players in the apple cart, by the way, to effectively play a similar similar way. And oh, oh, by the way, let's just pay off Frank and pay off all his team and then basically have no money left to sign anybody in the window as well because of FFP and how, and how, and how close we're sailing to the wind on that. So for me, it, it just makes no sense. And if anything, the board already, you know, you know, on a precipice as it is in terms of fans' confidence. You know, and if they just go and get rid of Lampard and bring in someone like a Daesh, can you imagine what that would be like in terms of the fan base? Can you imagine? It would be absolutely off the scale, wouldn't it? You know, and, and, and that would probably be the final nail in the coffin, that for me. Um, you know, I've got nothing against against Daesh personally, but I just think that's not what we need right now. I mean, obviously everyone's got their own opinion and I respect that. That's just my own personal opinion, but it'd be interesting to see what you two think as well. Yeah, it's not, not for me. I'll, I'll jump in first. Certainly not for me. I, I think I, I said this, I think he was linked last week as well in terms of, you know, he, he was removed from his, his job at Burnley with the side that he had. They were struggling. Uh, in the end, they went down with, with Michael Jackson, who, who came in and, and took over. But, you know, I think that it, it wouldn't be a good move, personally speaking. Obviously, you know, there's a couple of the players in terms of Dwight McNeil and, and James Tarkowski. Um, I don't really want. To be honest with you, I don't really want the the conversation at this moment in time about potential replacements. I think we need to just for me, just got to back the manager because he's he's not the biggest issue with the club. We we've tried to back him as best we can as a, as a collective since he's come in. He came into a, a horrific situation, uh, which he's trying to obviously sort out at a difficult time. Um, we, we're still finding ourselves with with similar kind of issues, and I'm, and I'm not saying by the way he's totally blameless and we play fantastic football and he's always got it right. I don't believe he has, and, and his win his win record shows that. But I think we, we need stability, and I don't see what Sean Dyche really would would bring to the table. That's just my opinion. But but Pete, what are you saying, Sean Dyche? Uh, never, <laughs> never. Look, uh, Burnley wouldn't have him back. Mm. And in the championship, playing brilliant football, you know, and they've they've had to reinvent themselves. So, if Burnley wouldn't have him back, why are we, you know, why are we even associated with him? And you know, hopefully these noises are are coming from far, far outside the club, um, and no one inside the club has has got Sean Dyche on on any kind of um, Everton list. Listen, after after Rafael Benitez, it will not surprise me if he's on someone's list. That is that is all I will say. The, this is obviously part of the issue as to why there's that, that you know we're, as fans we're taking su- such issue with what what happens behind the scenes. The fact that that move was sanctioned and he was allowed to come into the club spoke volumes, I think. Um, so Sean Dice will certainly be men- be getting mentioned around the corridors of Goodison Park and the library buildings, in my opinion. But hopefully, you know, hopefully the, that conversation does not need to be had and we, we start to pick up results. 
the manager, as I say, has has our backing, um, and and the players, as as Connor Cody alluded to, certainly seem to back him as well. And hopefully that all comes together, starting with with Saturday against Southampton. But Pete, let's come to you first for your prediction for for Saturday. Southampton massive game. How do you see it going? Well, I I was massively wrong um, with my Brighton prediction, so I hope I'm not going to be wrong with this. But I, I'm going to say one nil win Everton. Um, and I, I would take that every day of next week. So let, let's hope it's it's some variation of a win. Lee, do you agree with Pete? Can you see Everton getting getting a win? Yeah, I, I really do. I really do. Um, and we, we need some. We need a bit of a break as well. And I, and I just think, I think Samson, like I said, maybe they have made the wrong appointment, you know, in, in bringing this uh, new manager in. You know, time will tell, obviously, but, you know, he, he struggled at the start. Um, and I, we, we've just got to go in there, like I said, and just have no, no, no fear whatsoever. And I think we take the game to them. We stay solid at the back. I'm going to say 2-0. 2-0. I think we'll win. I think it'll be tight like Pete. I do think it's going to be a a tight game and just one goal between the sides. I'm going to say 2-1 Everton. Um, I certainly think we've got enough to win the game. I certainly think that the the players can take a fair bit from the Manchester United performance. It was definitely an improvement. Some, Some lovely football, especially that goal that was disallowed as well. Dom in from the off, most definitely. Um, the Corey in for in for a Wobie and, and let, let's let's give it a, a good go. But more importantly, let's not concede the goal if we, if we can. But as I say, I think I think two one. But we all think an Everton win. We all hope for an Everton win. We will be praying for an Everton win over the course of of this week, and we'll be down there supporting the lads as best we can on uh, on Saturday afternoon. And that's us for this week. Uh, we will be back next weekend next Sunday after the Southampton game. Fingers crossed that the Blues can get that that win and, and take us into another important game away against West Ham the, the weekend after. So we will catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three Blues. Three Opinions. One Everton Podcast. Podcast Network.